turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9 is where we're going to start. I said this last time, Mr. Brosnan, I'm sorry. Get your fingers ready to type those passages for the people at home. We'll let the Bible do the talking. We're going to look at something I, uh, something I was thinking about beginning of the year. We need to start off fresh. First service, Sunday service of the year. Um, so we're going to look at some stuff. Before we do that, how many have ever heard of Yogi Berra? All right. Played for the Yankees. And I, he was known for some interesting sayings. I guess that would be the way to put it. And I looked up some of his sayings, because so they're going to go with my message today. But little stats on him. He played with the New York Yankees from 1946 to 1963. An 18-time All-Star, a 10-time World Series champion, and three-time MVP. Those are pretty good stats. I would say by those numbers, he was very knowledgeable of baseball. Um, he wasn't the biggest guy on the team. If you ever saw him, any pictures of him, he was small. But he was—he understood what he was doing. He had knowledge. But on the other side, his wisdom wasn't so great. Um, some of his famous sayings were, pair up in threes. Think about that one. It's getting late early out there. Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Not, not the wisest. Never answer an anonymous letter. Think about that one. Think about that. He knew baseball, but that might have been the end of it. You can observe a lot by watching. Uh, that, that's a real good one. And his famous one was, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. What, what is that? So I wanted to look up, you know, why would he say that? Because all of them had some kind of story behind it. Apparently that one there with the fork in the road was because he had a friend coming to his house for dinner. And they gave him directions to his house. And the, where his house was, he said, when you get to the fork in the road, take it. Either road will get you to where you have to go. Well, that makes sense. But you don't know the story. And you hear, when you get to the fork in the road, take it. Well, that helps. So, all right, Proverbs chapter 9, Proverbs chapter 9, we'll come back to the yogi. There's a reason why I gave those of him. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the holy is understanding. We're going to look at the topic of wisdom and knowledge. Um, they're two very important things. We're going to look at a bunch of scripture on this, but they're very important. Let's pray and we'll get started with this. The Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can be in church to start off this year on the first Sunday. God, we thank you for the protection you've given our church, the safety on the way here, but keeping us safe from the virus. Uh, God, we thank you for the ones that have had it, that you've helped them through it. God, I'm thankful that this past year our church has grown stronger than we've ever been, closer than we've ever been. God, we pray that you would just help us. Help me as I preach. God, take my mind, take my heart. Take my mouth. God, I give it to you for this message. In your name, amen. So wisdom and knowledge. We're going to look at this topic. Um, if you want to go over to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 1. You probably know where I'm going with this one. Some of you are trying to figure out where 2 Chronicles is. That is right before Ezra. I don't know if that helps you guys. It's also right after 1 Chronicles. I know Mike's here. Pastor, I don't know who else, but if you guys all have the Schofield, it's on 490. That'll help. I don't know who else has one of the old Schofields. I think they're all the same page. Second Chronicles, we're going to look at chapter 1. If you don't know the story here, this is Solomon. This is King Solomon. Uh, in verse 1, And Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. 
So we see who we're talking about here. If you go through the second through sixth verses, you'll see he went to do a sacrifice in Gibeon. Uh, we're not going to read that part. We're going to get down to 7, verse 7. We're going to read 7 down through 12. It says, In the night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hath made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge, that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said unto Solomon, Because thou hast, because this was in thine heart, and, that, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, honor, nor the life of thine enemy, neither hast thou asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there any after thee have the like. One of the things I noticed was when Solomon asked for it, I, you, you kind of get the feeling that he realized he can't do this. He couldn't do it. And he realized he's king, but they're not his people. If you look up in uh, verse 9 at the end of that, he says, over a people, where is it? Uh, verse 10, he says, for who can judge this thy people? He says, these are your people, God, that I'm over, and I need help. You know, the thing I noticed was he realized it's God's people, God put them there. But then I also realized that God made one part that stuck out to me when I read that. Because this was in thine heart. He didn't just, okay, I need to ask God for something. Well, the good answer is what I should say. How many of you have ever done that? I know what I'm supposed to say. That's not what Solomon had here. This was what was in his heart. This is what he was actually wanting. Not, this wasn't the church answer. How many of you heard that one? We do that, you know, okay, you gave me the good church answer, but what are you really wanting? Or what is it really thinking? It says that it was in his heart. He wanted knowledge and wisdom. What is knowledge? What is wisdom? We hear about them. Knowledge is a clear and certain perception of that which exists, learning, skill, acquaintance with any fact or person. Okay, what's wisdom? The right use or exercise of knowledge. That's out of the dictionary. You know, I got thinking about that. There is a lot of knowledgeable people in the world today. There, there's, I mean, where does knowledge come from? I can go through and I can tell you there's schools, there's books, there's different things. There is people that come out of Syracuse University that are full of knowledge. There's people out of Harvard, Oxford. We can go through the list. They're very knowledgeable but they have no wisdom to go with it. The wisdom is the right use or exercise of knowledge. You know, what we needed is not just knowledge this past year of what to do. We needed wisdom of how to exercise and use the knowledge that we have. You know, um, pastor, from last year when we shut down, we had been praying that God give him wisdom of how to handle this situation. Why? We know what we're supposed to do. We know we're supposed to wash our hands. We know we're supposed to distance. We know we're supposed to do all these things. But can you give God, can you give pastor some wisdom of how to do it? You know, we, that's what our, my prayer was for church, for my family, was God, we have the knowledge of what we got to do. Can you give us wisdom to get through what we need to do? You know, there's a difference. So, we've got worldly and godly knowledge out there. If you go over to 1 Corinthians 3, we're just going to read this one real quick. 1 Corinthians 3. This is, uh, uh, we'll go to verse, uh, let's go to verse 18. 
1 Corinthians 3.18 Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. You don't want the world's wisdom. That will not help you at all. The world's wisdom is what we see every day when we go out. It's what it is. We, there's a lot of, we were talking to someone and they said there's a lot of book smart, knowledgeable people. But not wise people. And I, I got thinking about it and I, I thought of this. You can have knowledge and not be wise. But you cannot be wise without being knowledgeable. And it's that is a, when you think about that, that is a strong uh, phrase. You can be knowledgeable and not be wise. What is it we need? We need godly wisdom and knowledge. So with Solomon, and I, that's why I use Yogi Berra, he was very knowledgeable of his sport. He was very knowledgeable. You don't become an 18-time all-star by not knowing how to play. But when he spoke, he wasn't very wise on a lot of his stuff. You know, pair up in threes, that's not a wise, that's, that's kind of a foolish saying. You know, and I know he was joking with someone, but that's not showing wisdom when you speak. So with Solomon in mind, let's go over to 1 Kings. We'll look at a few things on Solomon, of what, how God gave it to him, and then we're going to go into some stuff that we could look at for this. 1 Kings chapter 5 is where we'll start. Where does godly wisdom and knowledge come from? It's not a trick question. We're going to solve this really quick. What we're going to do is we're going to look at a couple passages just on Solomon. Because we already read where Solomon asked for it. And it's interesting that God said, hey, because you asked right, we're going to give you everything else as well. Um, side note, that may not happen for you. Okay, I'm just going to put that out there. You, you, you can ask God for wisdom and knowledge. It doesn't mean you're getting the wealth, your enemies, long life, you know. That. So don't, don't say, huh, I'm, I'm about to get rid of that guy I can't stand. It's not going to work that way. 1 Kings 5, uh, verse 12. And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him, and there was peace between Hiram and Solomon. And they made, and they too made a league together. So first part here is it says, And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him. God gave it. First Kings chapter 4. First Kings chapter 4 says in verse 29, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, exceeding much the largeness of heart, exceeding much in largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. You realize what that just said? When you put that into perspective, the sand on the seashore, that is incredible amount of knowledge and wisdom God gave him. And you know what? God gave him wisdom and knowledge that he was able to handle it too because he did stuff that wouldn't have been able to do without this wisdom and knowledge. That he was able to gather stuff. He made treaties. He made pacts with different things. If you redo the different chapters and stuff, it talks about how he went to this country and they gave him the stuff he needed and he was able to work with them. He had, he had that knowledge of how to handle people because of this. It says in verse 30, And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. You go over to verse 34, and there came all of all people of he, to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. God gave him so much wisdom that other leaders were coming to him. This wasn't just a, wow, he speaks so nice. I just want to hear him. He actually had wisdom when he talked. Let me ask you. When you have someone come to you, do they come to you because they just want to hear your lovely voice? 
Or do they want to come because they need some wisdom or they need some guidance, some counsel on something? These people were coming to Solomon not because he was making them feel good. They were coming to him because he had wisdom that could help them. There might have been issues in their countries that they came and said, so Solomon, what would you do with this? Or Solomon, i got to make this decision. What would you do? That's what these kings were coming to him with. Over in chapter 10, 1 Kings chapter 10. So God gave it to him, as he promised, as the verse says. In 1 Kings chapter 10, it says in verse 24, And all the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. It was on his heart when he asked for it, and God put it in his heart, and God gave it to him. Your wisdom that you need, you cannot do it on your own. You need God to give it to you. So I want you to keep that in mind. You need God to give you the wisdom. How? There's a few different steps I wrote down we're going to look at of how we could get it. If you go over to Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, this is the good start of how to get wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. Do you fear God? Do you have a fear for God? The fear of the Lord is the beginning. There's fear. This is just the start. It says over in chapter 2, if you read chapter 2 of Proverbs, you'll see knowledge and wisdom through this whole chapter. It's, it's everywhere you look at it. We're not going to read this whole chapter, but it starts off with, My son, if thou wilt receive my word and hide my commandments with thee, so that thy, thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. You see what Solomon, who wrote this, told his son, his kids? Look, you've got to go look for it. You look for it. Isn't that what it says? If thou seekest her as silver, and searcheth for her as for hid treasures. You know what that tells me right there? It's not easily in front of us. A hid treasure is not in the open sometimes. Sometimes you've got to spend some time on your knees looking for something when it's hidden. You know what? When they hide something, they don't hide it in the open. We do stuff with the kids, we hide it, and they're on their knees crawling, asking, where could it be, where is it? you got to look for it. When you fear God and look for it, and that's going to all play in. It says over in Proverbs chapter, we read Proverbs chapter 9, you don't have to turn it, I'll just read it to you. We, this is what we started off with. Verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Fear, there's fear there. It says in chapter 15, chapter 15, verse 32, The fear of the Lord is the, is the instructions of wisdom, and before honor is humility. You know, that's another thing I said with Solomon. There was some humility there when he went to God, when he, when he asked for that. I don't think Solomon went to God and said, Look at me, I need all the wisdom I can get. I, I think he went to God and said, God, I need help. I need some wisdom. There's honor, is, and before honor is humility. You know what? Fear and instructions and wisdom and knowledge come with humility. In being willing to go to someone and say, I don't know. Could you help me? Or could you advise me on what to do? You know what? Sometimes that takes a little bit of humility to swallow your pride and go to someone and ask for the help. That's what it comes down to. Another way. Um, we have fear God, and then we have Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, another one here. We have seek God. Seek, find, look. It says in Proverbs 8 and verse 11, For wisdom is better than rubies, 
and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. it says there the desires. You know what? When you desire something, you'll do whatever you can to find it. If you think about it, if you desire that candy bar, you'll go to every store until you find it. If that's the desire that you really want. I mean, if you really want something and it's a desire, guess what? Wisdom is better than rubies. It's better than all the money you can desire. It's better than all that you have. Wisdom is better. Are you seeking it? It says in Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, in verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. You know, there's, there's three things there. There's ask, seek, and knock. Are you asking for it? That's what Solomon did. He asked for it. Are you seeking it? Are you looking for it better than your money that you want? Are you doing it? And are you knocking? Are you knocking on the door waiting for it? You know what? When we go door to door, we knock on the door not hoping that it's going to be empty. We're knocking for a response. And you know what I do a lot of times? After I knock, I'll wait and I'll do it again. And sometimes, depending if I know if it's one of those houses where no one's home because the TV just got turned off and the blinds just closed and no one's home, you know, sometimes we come up to those houses that there's just, they just went out of town that day. Um, I might even do another knock on the door just to, you know, why? You want to try to get a hold of them. You want to get it. Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking one time? Nope. Okay, I'm done. Or are you going back and say, God, God, please. You know what? Paul went back to God several times before he got an answer. You know what? A lot of us, we give up after the first knock. Well, God didn't want to give it to me. No. Maybe God's teaching you to keep going. Keep asking for it. Wisdom and knowledge doesn't come overnight. It's not going to come. You need to take some time and put into it. You've got to ask, seek, knock. Like I said, and that goes into our next one, which is ask for it. Have you gone to God? I know if I were to say, who would like more wisdom this year, everyone's hands would go up. And maybe I could say, who was interested in more wisdom last year? A lot of hands would go up. But then I want to ask this. How many of you asked for it? How many of you actually went to God and said, God, could you give me some wisdom on this? You know, when you were in the hard time over here, did you actually stop and go, God? I could use some wisdom right now. Or did we just say, I'll figure it out? You know what? There's too much. I'll figure it out on my own. And you know what ends up happening? You fall in a mud puddle. You come out usually dirty because you didn't do it right. God could have taken you around the problem. God could have given you some wisdom to get through that. But we try to do it on our own. Um, you know, and that's what's going to happen. It says in Philippians 4:16, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. It says there, supplication, which is a petition, earnest request. You've got your thanksgiving, which is an act of being thankful, gratitude, you know, with prayer and thanksgiving. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. When you go to God, I, I do this with the kids in MASH clubs. We pray for a prayer request, and then we end it with, God, thank you for what you will do. We want to show the kids, hey, ask God and then thank him because you know he's going to take care of it. Because God will take care of it his way. It may not be your way, but it's going to be taken care of. And we can say thank you, God, for what you're going to do. That way when it happens, the kids can say, we thanked him for that because we knew God could do it. When you ask God for wisdom and knowledge, go to him, make your request known to God, and just thank Him. Say, God, thanks for what you're going to do. I don't know what to do here. I need your help. And God, I know it's going to work out, so thank you. Thanks. Well, you're not through the problem yet. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Got to care of it. Whatever happens. Well, now I'm in the middle of the problem worse. Thank God. That's where He wanted you to be. You know what? Be thankful. God gave you the wisdom in the problem, maybe not to get around the problem. You know what? Our church got stuck in the middle of COVID. We didn't get to go around COVID because we were saved. 
We didn't get to go around the disease because we're God's chosen people that they think they are here in America. We're not. God said, you know what? Here's the virus. You're right here in the middle of it. Huh, that's not where I want to be. Well, go to God. Get some wisdom. God wants you to be right here. God doesn't want you on the outside of the virus. Some of you were in the church were not just in the virus, but you got the virus. That's not a mistake. And God gave you guys some wisdom through this virus that we've never had before. The virus was good for our church. As much as we don't like this virus, it was good for our church. Uh, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given unto him. Let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the winds, the wind and tossed. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given unto him. And that's important. You know, that God, you go to him, but then it says, and let him ask in faith. What is faith? I mean, we, we use the word faith, but it's, you know, we have faith in God. We have faith for our salvation. We have faith, and it's believing in something you can't even see. You know what? But let him ask in faith, nothing wavers. So you can't, you know, it would be so much easier if we could just talk to God if he was right here. Really, in the middle of our hard time, if we could just go to him. But instead, we have to just go to him in faith and say, God, can you give it to me? God, can you help me? Just go to him by faith. And then I got two more here. I got number five is associate with wise people. Keep wise people near you. Um, in Proverbs 13, Proverbs chapter 13, it's amazing when you want to learn about wisdom and knowledge, you go to the book of Proverbs. Who wrote the book of Proverbs? Someone who asked God for some wisdom and knowledge. And then he tried to pass it on. Proverbs chapter 13, it says in verse 20, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. You know what you need to do is you've got to have some people near you that are wiser than you that you can go to. Um, you know what? Some friends that are maybe younger than you could be wiser than you. It could happen. Don't put age on wisdom. Just because they're not old doesn't mean they're not wise. Have someone that you can walk with that's close. Now, on the other side of that, I have in there, um, there's wise people to hang out with, and then there's godly counsel. I put them separate. There's a difference between them. Godly counsel could be someone you go to that's not going to give you the answer you want. Sometimes a godly counsel will give you the answer you need to hear. There's wise friends that can help us, but sometimes our friends are going to try to help us through it. Sometimes a wise counsel will say, you need to get through it. I can't help you right now, but here's what I could give you to help you through it. There is a difference between the two, I believe. And it says... Um, in Proverbs 13, we, it says only in verse 10, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. It says there, with the well-advised. You know what? There's a difference between someone who's going to walk with you and someone who can just advise you through it. There's times where I've had to call people and ask, what, what should I do? They're not able to be here, but they can give some wise counsel to you. You know, Get some advice on it. You don't know what to do, get some advice. You don't have to turn there in chapter Proverbs 1, verse 5. It says, a wise, man will, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain unto wise counsel. You have wise counsel you can go to. In chapter 8 of this book, it says, chapter 8, verse 14, 
Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. It says there. It says over in chapter 27. Chapter 27, verse 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Do you have wise counsel that you could go to? I know from talking to the pastor that there is some guys that if something were to come up, he would call. He's got some wise counsel he could go to. That he can call them up and say, hey, what could I do? What could you help me with? And they will give him some counsel. But then I also know pastor has some men in this church he could go to that are some wise associate here that he could go to for advice as well. But they're not the same people. There's, they're both able to give some wisdom, but they're a little bit different of a group. They're not usually the same group. Because I know for a fact that he's had to do that with some things. He's had to call another pastor up and ask, can you help me with it? Could you give me an idea of how to do this? You know what? We're not alone. We have people. You're alone in your problems because you put yourself there. You don't have help. It's because you're not looking for it. There's help available. There's people that could give you counsel, but it's up to you to find them. So you have fear God, seek God. Ask for it. You have um, knock. Don't give up asking for it. You've got wise people to be around. You've got godly counsel to put around you. And if you don't have that, you're going to have a situation like Rebecca and Jacob. And it's hard because that was not wise counsel he was given to go and kill, the. I think it was a goat, and pretend it was venison to try to steal from dad. That's not wise counsel. Can I put a disclaimer? Be careful who you're with because they may give you counsel that's not good. In this case, mom said do it. And that was not a very wise idea. Do you realize what Jacob went through because of the counsel he was given by his mom? The, the, the knowledge and the wisdom that she had was just go ahead and do this and everything. And I love it when he says, but mom, what if he finds out? What if he finds out? And you go through that story and you can't believe what the stuff he went through. And then you look at the things that happened with Jacob because of it. Because he didn't have wise counsel on the decision of what he did. He did it, but it wasn't the wisest thing to do. And, uh, and it's interesting if you follow the life of Jacob, how it ends up later on, where he had to admit. He ended up going and having to wrestle that thing and take care of it and settle it. But, you know, wise counsel can save them a lot of headaches on that. So, one last passage here, Proverbs chapter 1, last passage. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So let me ask you this, a couple questions. Have you despised wisdom and instructions this past year? Have you pushed it aside? Have you said, I don't need it? Bible says that we're fools if we despise wisdom. Um, I don't like, I don't like that because that's to me when it says that, but that's, I want you to think about that. The fools despise wisdom. Wisdom is important to have. Have you prayed for wisdom? And secondly, and I think this is one that we've grown more to do this past year than we've ever done. Have you prayed and asked for wisdom for others? Um, pastor, have we prayed for pastor to have wisdom? Have you prayed for the teachers that are next door? We've had to do some things that are totally different this year. They needed some wisdom on it. How about this one? This one's going to hurt a little bit. How about your president? How about your future president? Whoever God puts in office. Have you prayed for wisdom? We can complain all day about who's going to be in office. Or we can pray and ask God to give them wisdom so we don't have the things that we could be going into. Because God can take care of it. The Bible says the heart of the king, he controls it. Have you prayed? Ask for wisdom. Do you have wisdom in your life to help you through stuff from day to day? Mr. Corey?
Verse 20, And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us, God. Thank you that we have a hope in Jesus Christ. God, thank you that you love us so much. God, I... I um, I'm not really worthy to preach what I'm preaching this morning, but God, I know that you've promised to honor your word, and I just pray that you do that. God, be with uh, my stumbling lips. God, I just pray that you'd help us to be appreciative more. And, uh, and I pray, God, if there's someone in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you as their Savior, that you'd help them to come to the one that gave up so much so they could live. I just pray, God, that you'd... Uh, be with us, meet with us, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we live in a live in a crazy world. We've lived through a crazy year, haven't we? And we've got a crazy year to look forward to. And, uh, you know, everything is going on in the world. But you know what? There's, we don't need more money this year. We don't need more security this year. We need more Jesus this year. That's what we need. You know, I was reading this in my, in my devotions the other day, and, and this verse just jumped out at me. We would see Jesus, and we need to see Jesus. We really do. And uh, there might be somebody here that's not saved. You know, Jesus is the sinner's friend. Go back and look at the text. Let's look at the rest of the text. And when I've read this in the past, I just stop there, and when I get, in my Bible, you turn the page, and when I get to the next one, it looks like Jesus isn't answering the question, but he is. In verse 23, it says, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this cause came I, into, came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have glorified it, and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it, said that it thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of the world be, be cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying by what death he should die. Jesus is saying, you want to see me? You see me glorified on the cross. That's where you need to see me. And that's where those Greeks needed to see Jesus. These Greeks were, were uh, religious people because they're Greeks. And they came to a Jewish feast. So they were seeking the truth. They were seeking the truth. And when Jesus answered them, it looks like, like I said, when I first, at first glance, he's not, you know, we want to see Jesus. He says, you want to see me? See me on the cross. See me on the cross. And you know, if you're listening at home, and if you're here, you're not saved, you need to see Jesus on the cross. You need to, and as Christians, we forget that. We forget that it's all about Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We forget that. I forget that. That's what it's all about. Jesus Christ came to save. He came to save. I'm sure these guys were curious, but he said, listen, and I'm sure they knew that Jesus existed. But if you're lost, until you see Jesus dying on the cross for your sins, then you don't know him. Then you don't know him. He died for us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 1 Corinthians 15 is the gospel. Christ, uh, I received Christ Jesus uh, it's funny, I've quoted this verse a thousand times. 1 Corinthians 15.1. I don't believe this. 1 Corinthians 
Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel by which you are saved. For Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, was buried, and rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me, but by me. Romans 5, 6, for when we were without, due strength, when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for me. I'm ungodly. He died for me. If you're not saved, he died for you. Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. See Jesus on the cross. Christ died for me. He died for me. And he knew how I was going to turn out, but he died for me. He died for me. And uh, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Grace be unto you in peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God the Father. 1 John 3.16 Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He laid down our lives for, for the brethren. He died for our sins because we couldn't. We couldn't die for our sins. We need to remember that as Christians. And if you're lost, Christ died for your sins. You couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. And you know, we look at the year coming up and we think, oh wow, what's gonna happen? Well, you know what? We need to be thinking about Jesus and we need to be thinking about what Jesus did for the world. The world, whatever happens in our country, whatever happens to our economy and everything else, Jesus is what people need. Jesus is what people need. Jesus is what I need. Jesus was what I need. And remember what he did. Revelation 1, verse 4, says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him which is, which was, which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins, in his own blood, washed us from our sins in his own blood. If you go back to John chapter 12, John chapter 12 and verse 32 says, And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus Christ is standing there drawing all men. All men aren't going to be saved because a lot of people don't look at that cross. They look at themselves. They look at themselves and say, well, hey, you know, I gave a lot of money to charity. I'm going to make it when I get to heaven. Can you imagine people like Bob Hope, and I'm not picking on Bob Hope, people like Bob Hope that did a lot of good. The guy that started St. Jude's Children's Hospital has done a lot of good. They stand before the throne. Many of them are going to say, listen, you see what I did? See what I did? But they're standing at the foot of the cross, and they're not looking at the savior of the world that stood that laid his life down for their sins and shed his blood for their sins they're not looking at him and uh, people trust in their religion people trust in their sacraments people trust in everything else but they don't trust in the savior they don't trust in the savior you know we sang earlier in the service we sang amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It was written by John Newton. John Newton wrote another, well, he wrote a lot of songs, by the way, but he didn't write the music to a lot of them, but he wrote this song also. I saw one hanging on a tree, in agony and blood. He fixed his loving eyes on me as near his cross I stood. Oh, can it be upon a tree the Savior died for me? My soul is thrilled, my heart is filled to think he died for me. You know, uh, John Newton was a wretch, and he knew that. And he appreciated the fact 
and I think about it all the time. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. But also, he saw one hanging on a tree. That's how you get saved if you're not saved. You come to the cross and recognize the payment that Jesus Christ did for your sins and turn from everything you believe in and turn to him. Turn to him. And um, we need to do that. We need to do that as Christians. We need to remember what Jesus Christ did for us. You know, we have such a tendency to look at our problems and think, Oh, I've got so many problems. And we do have problems. And my heart goes out to people that have problems and sickness and all the different things that happen. But you know what? Jesus Christ is the answer to a lot of that. Faith and trust in Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. So my first point is, if you're not saved, get saved. Look at Jesus on the cross. See Jesus. But, you know, we also need to see Jesus in our daily lives and constantly look to him. Remember who he is. Remember his holiness. If we remember who he is, it's going to keep our heart right. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 8, it says, A king that sitteth on the throne of judgment scattereth away all evil with his eyes. You know, we, see, we need to see him, but he sees us. He sees us. I remember my father would look at me, and he scattered away all evil with his eyes <laughs> because, <laughs> because my father could be a funny man, but he could also be a stern man. And uh, my, my, my children would attest to that. He could, uh, but I knew that if I was in church and I was goofing off or something, all I needed was the look. And uh, the same thing, we need to remember there's a God in heaven that scatters away all evil with his eyes. And we need to look to Jesus. You know, when you read your Bible every day, you need to look for Jesus. You need to look for Jesus. You know, sometimes we get, we get into a, a place, we get in the wilderness in our Bibles. And we've all got different wildernesses when we read the Bibles. There's some of it that uh, I'm so glad for amazing grace. Every time I read Leviticus, I want to run around the room saying, Wow. And uh, even Peter admitted it in the book of Acts. He says, what are, you, what are you Jews putting these Christians under the law? We couldn't keep it. What are you talking about? Well, it's the same thing for us. But we need to remember that we're here to please Jesus. We're here to please Jesus. And we need to have a relationship with him. And we need to exalt him. You know, I, I, uh, Sam Gipp has a quote actually commenting on this passage, and it says, The single greatest difficulty in the Christian life is the elimination of self and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Well, let me just say that again. The single greatest difficulty in the Christian life is the elimination of self and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Our problem is, my problem is, I don't look up enough. I don't look up enough. You know what I do? I look here too much. I look at everything around me. I look at my problems. And I don't look for the one who cared so much about me that he died on the cross for me. The one that says, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Uh, the one that comforted us. The Bible says he comforts us in all our tribulation and all those different things. And I know many of you have been comforted by, the, by Jesus Christ, by God the Holy Spirit. God, different ways, comforts us. We need to remember that. We need to look up. We need to remember we're here for him. We're here for him. We need to see Jesus. We have a problem. We need, the first thing we need to see is Jesus. Why do we have this problem? Maybe it's because our lost friends want us to see how a Christian reacts. Uh, you know, one of, my, one of my disappointments of working at the same place for 41 years is that they didn't see Jesus enough. They didn't see Jesus enough. <laughs> and I have some good friends that have passed away that didn't see Jesus enough. And what you, it's not about us. We're not here for, for us. We're here to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We're here to show people this is who Jesus is. You know, they were called Christians first in Antioch because they were, they, they were little Christs. They called them Christians because they were so much like Jesus Christ. Our community needs to see Jesus. We need to stay in touch with Jesus. We need to stay in touch with him. If we stay in touch with him, we won't be afraid of what goes on in our lives around us. Uh, how many times in the Gospels did Jesus say to the disciples, be of good cheer? You know, they're ready to sink in the boat. He says, I'm here, be of good cheer. You know, we should walk around with a smile on our face. Be of good cheer. You know, we live in a goofy world. Be of good cheer, be of good cheer. The first time Jesus said, be of good cheer, he said it to one of the guys he healed. And he said, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. We should be of good cheer if we're saved. Because you know what? 50 years from now, I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to be in heaven. Most of you will be in, let's see, most, not, maybe not everybody, but most of us, if we're saved, will be in heaven 50 years from now. It's not going to matter then. It's not going to matter what happens to my bank account when the economy collapses, and it's going to. It's not going to matter if I get sick. It's not going to matter. And we need to see Jesus in our lives. See Jesus so the community sees it. And be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. And keep in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to see him every day and stay in fellowship with him. Psalm 27 and verse 4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's fellowship. All the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire at his temple. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You know, we have fellowship with God. We're dwelling in the house of the Lord. You know, there's nothing better than sweet fellowship with God. Nothing better. There's nothing worse when we're not. There's nothing worse when we get away from God and, and, and we've got an attitude or something else. And I don't know about you, but I've had an attitude from time to time. And, and we know we should get right with God and we don't. There's nothing better than sweet fellowship with God. There's another song that John Newton wrote. And... Uh, I was going to attempt to sing this, but there's no way. I need to, <laughs> I need to practice. Uh, but the name of it is How Tedious and Tasteless the Hours. Al Smith sings this song, but John Newton wrote the words. How tedious and tasteless the hours when Jesus no longer I see. Sweet prospects, sweet birds, and sweet flowers have all lost their sweetness to me. The midsummer sun shines but dim. The fields strive in vain to look gay. But when I am happy with him, December's as pleasant as May. His name yields the richest perfume, and sweeter than music his voice. His presence disperses my gloom and makes all within me rejoice. I should, were he always thus nigh, have nothing to wish or to fear. No mortal so happy as I, my summer would last all the year. That's fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to see Jesus this year. We need to see him every day and not let a day go by when we don't see him. And, and if there's a problem, we need to take care of it. If, if we're out of sorts with God, we need to take care of it. We need, there's nothing better on this earth than to have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and have the right attitude. Because what will happen then? People around us will notice. Our coworkers might notice. Our family might notice if we're in fellowship and we're fellowshipping with the Lord Jesus Christ. So first of all, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. Second of all, you need to have Jesus active in your life. But third thing is we need to see him coming again. You know, 
I was talking with the guys who were taking up the offering. I miss Walt Mikowski. Walt Mikowski used to say all the time to me, perhaps today, perhaps today. And um, Walt got saved on New Year's Day. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget he walked into Pastor Gibbs' office and said, I want to be adopted. And, uh, but he used to say, perhaps today, well, we need to see Jesus coming back. We need to see him and remember. You know, John, 4, 1, John 14, 1 talks about, in my Father's house are many mansions. And Jesus says, if I go away, I will come again. That's just as true a promise as John 3.16 is. That's just as true. And, you know, back in the 60s, we were convinced that Jesus was going to come back. Well, guess what? If he didn't come back then, we're a lot closer now than we were then. Than we were then. I appreciate Mrs. Raper. Mrs. Raper is 94 years old. She told me, I don't know how many times, when I got saved... I prayed that the Lord would come back before I die. Oh boy, I hope she's right. I really do. I'm just, uh, God, let's go. And uh, let's chase Mrs. Raper to heaven. Let's just go right up there with her. Isaiah 33. Turn. I haven't had you turn, but for lack of time. But go to Isaiah chapter 33. Isaiah chapter 33, 15. Isaiah chapter 33 and 15, verse 15. He that walketh up righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him. His water shall be sure. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. You know what? I want to see the king in his beauty. I want to see the king in his beauty. I want to behold the land that's very far off. And you know what? We need to be looking. And I'm just as, maybe you're not as guilty as me, but there's been times when I haven't been looking for the Lord to come back. Well, guess what? He could come back anytime, anytime. And yes, Lord, you could come back anytime. <laughs> but I want to see the king in his beauty. We should look forward to seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. Not get me out of this COVID, get me out of the fact that, you know, the guy I wanted to win the presidency didn't win. So the world's coming to an end. You know what? I'm speaking to myself. Stop it. We need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to look forward to coming for him to come again because he's our Savior. Not to get us out of this evil mess, but because he's our Savior. He cared so much about this guy that he died on the cross for this wretch. And we can never thank him enough. Can you imagine... How beautiful heaven must be. There's a song, but can you imagine how beautiful it must be? I don't care what it looks like. I don't. I want to see one person. And after a couple thousand years, that I might go see some other folks. But uh, let's, let's go see the king in his beauty first. Let's get, see the king in his beauty. And... Um, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Titus 2, 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope, and the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, every time we sing Amazing Grace, when I was in college, I was taught to sing when we've been there 10 million years, bright shining as the sun. There's no less days to sing God's praise.
than when we first begun. So if you're not saved, if you're listening to my voice, you need to get saved. You need to come to the cross. Is Jesus active in your life? And are you looking for him? Are you looking for him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to, to preach your word. God, thank you that Jesus Christ is who we said he is and that you've promised to be our friend and our brother. Be with us now, God. Help us this year to remember our responsibility before us and remember to keep our relationship right with you. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.